0: Welcome to the Encounter Church podcast. For more information about our church and service times, please visit revival.me. Enjoy the message. I want to read out of Acts chapter 2, which is the story of the fulfillment of Pentecost. Um, It's a fulfillment when, when the father sent the holy spirit through the son jesus being the baptizer of the holy spirit the third person of the Trinity. how many know the holy spirit is not some energy or force but it's uh, he is the third member of the godhead just as much god as the son just as much god as the father co-equal co-eternal co-substantial come on somebody how many know their trinitarian theology um and so uh, three unique persons of the, of the Godhead, one divine essence or substance. And when we talk about the coming of the Holy Spirit, we read the, what, what is known as the birth of the church, but the church was already in the heart of God, in one sense, was already born. You know, like in John 20, when Jesus breathed on the disciples, it says they, were, uh, they received. He said, receive the Holy Spirit. He breathed on them. Theologically, that could have been the moment Post-resurrection, they were actually born again. In that moment, their spirit was made alive. The word breathe in John chapter 20, when Jesus breathed on the disciples and said, receive the Holy Spirit. In the Septuagint, which is the Greek Old Testament, which was Jesus' Bible, translated uh, you know, about 400 years before Christ, In the Septuagint, that phrase is the exact same phrase in Genesis where God breathed into Adam and caused him to become a living being. And now Jesus is breathing on the disciples and recreating humanity post-resurrection after the finished work. And then we see the culmination of the Spirit coming on the day of Pentecost is what we're going to read right now. And I just want to share my thoughts and what I feel the Lord is saying to us as a people and i want to just encourage you um, uh, to keep your heart postured i think this theme that we've been kind of going after is a theme of uh, lord teach me to listen or teach me to yield and teach me to be teachable Um, teach me to posture my heart at heaven if you're here last week we talked about psalm 73 which was one of my favorite psalms if who was here last week raise your hand if you're here Okay, so everyone that didn't raise their hand, you need to come to church every Sunday. Um, also, go back and listen. I think that message will really encourage you. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it's just a good reminder for us all that we have to keep our hearts postured at heaven, even when it feels like everyone around us is getting blessed except us. Have you ever been there? I, I know some people are blessed all the time and highly favored all the time. You ask some brothers, how you doing? Some sisters, I'm blessed and highly favored, but you know they're lying, right? You know they want to tell you the truth, but uh, it's okay to be honest in church. If you're going through it, get some prayer, right? Um, It's one thing to believe in faith. It's another to be in denial when you can live in interdependence and community and allow us to bear one another's burdens and fulfill the law of Christ. You know, I learned this as a a young married man. I've been married to my beautiful bride of 23 years, but I learned quickly that... uh, Pride was a, a big hindrance to breakthrough in our marriage because we were afraid to ask for help or prayer. I think the same thing happens in community. We go through stuff and we think, I don't want anyone to think I'm backslidden just because you're going through it. Um, people that always seem in, encouraged are not impervious to discouragement. They probably just learned to encourage themselves in the Lord, or they're just lying, or they're just acting like they got it all together when inside they don't have it all together. And in Acts chapter 2, it's, you know, Jesus said, wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power from on high. We see it in Acts 1.8. In the first chapter, it says they were all in the upper room and they're praying. And then in chapter 2, it says they were all together in one place. Traditionally, it's believed that they're in the upper room, but we don't really know. Some scholars believe they were actually at a place in the temple. Uh, today, there's a lot of Messianic Jews that would actually cling to that view because it was a fulfillment of God pouring out a spirit, a fulfillment of uh, the latter glory that was talked about, that the glory of Solomon's temple, but the next uh, temple, which was to be us, right? We are the temple of the Holy Spirit, individually and collectively, that there was a fulfillment of that. And so we don't really know, and I, I don't think that it's important. I think it has significance, but I think it's vague for a reason. Sometimes the Lord does that so we don't turn a place into some formula, but we keep our focus on the reality that God's presence crashed in and baptized the disciples. Hello, somebody. And and we don't get distracted with that. But I think there is significance here. Like the upper room was a holy place. It was a sacred space, if you will. And I think in my Christian faith, and I want to encourage you, we're going to talk about this theme today just a little bit, that we must value the sacred space the, the time where you have with God, what does that look like? Like the stuff when you deal with stuff. Is it walking in the wilderness and praying? Is it listening to a particular worship song? Is it just sitting and reading, you know, the Gospels and reading the Bible? What is it? Find that sacred space. Go back to that place. And always... Uh, have the courage and the discipline to make sacred space and, and to allow God to crash into this realm, like be intentional and crash and, and open your heart so God can move uh, and, and breathe upon us Amen. as children of God. Um, I, I love this text though. It says they were all the day of Pentecost had fully come. and am read for, from verse one, Acts chapter two. They were all with one accord. Say one accord. They were in one place. And again, we don't know the place really. Traditionally, it's the upper room. I think it could have been both. Maybe they were in the upper room, then bam, Holy Spirit. Then they fled into the temple. And and a lot of people believe they were actually on Solomon's porch, which is interesting because that's indicative of where the last line was drawn from the temple that was in the heart of God that God put in the heart of David that David gave to Solomon. And and so there was a fulfillment that even God told David, he said, your son uh, is going to build a house. For me and his kingdom will be established forever. And how many know that Solomon's kingdom is not still going on, but there's a spiritual kingdom because he was talking about Jesus? Come on, that Jesus would build a house, which is indicative of the church, where his house, and that the kingdom would advance and his kingdom would be established forever. And how many know that happened on the day of Pentecost, where the church came alive in the power of the Holy Spirit? And then immediately we have 3,000 people get saved when Peter misquotes the Bible. Are you thankful that God can use people like Peter? I don't know about you, but sometimes I feel like that kind of disciple, you know, just unrefined. You know, I love the scripture in Acts. It says they, they realized they weren't very educated, uh, but they had been with Jesus. I'm like, come on, somebody. <laughs> you know, I mean, I don't consider myself not educated, but I do consider myself... Um, not, not as learned as others, but I thank God for the ability to proclaim the gospel in spite of my inability. <laughs> you know, uh, it's amazing. God can take the ordinary and make it extraordinary with the power of the Holy Spirit. And, and it says they were in one accord in this place. And it could have been the upper room again and moved to Solomon's Porch. It could have been Solomon's Porch where you could actually see the Garden of Gethsemane and you could see the Mount of Olives, which were also sacred places, valley, low, mountaintop, high. How many know that we have encounters with God in the valley and in the mountaintop? And they're all important and sometimes we need that perspective and there's a place where we can remain yielded to the Master and yielded And it says they were in one accord, though. Let me talk about this just for a minute. I feel like this is misunderstood the same way that we like to strive for things that God has already given us. We think that unity is something that we do. Now, that's not to say that we don't have a responsibility to guard our hearts, to be forgiving and loving, to allow God, like Paul said to the church of Thessalonica that God has taught you how to love. Amen. I believe that as New Testament Christians, if Christ dwells in our hearts, that word dwell is where we get the word "shaka" in the Old Testament, where the glory resided over the mercy seat. So when Christ dwells in our hearts, our hearts become like the mercy seat where there's no retention of sin and offense and bitterness and aught and envy. Come on, somebody. Like in one sense, we can learn to be unoffendable. I know it sounds impossible, because it seems like the church is like, if you want to get offended, just go to church, right? You want to get hurt, just go to church. It's just called people, community. We're all imperfect. Well, I got to find the perfect church. Well, as soon as you walk in the door, it ain't perfect no more. Come on, somebody. Trust me. And church hurt is not just one way. Sheep bite too. I know. I'm a pastor. I've ha- I have church hurt too. From y'all. Y'all rude. No, I'm just playing. I do believe that we have a responsibility and, and like we, we have to keep our hearts open to people. And it, it's hard, especially when you're betrayed. It's hard, especially when you feel like forsaken, you know, like Jesus didn't feel. That, like, come on, like, you know. A matter of fact, after Judas walked out the door, after he washed the disciples' feet, that's when he said, guess what, guys? Judas is a fool. No, he didn't say that. He didn't start gossiping about Judas after his betrayal. He said, by the way, they're going to know you're my disciples by how much you love each other. That's when he said it. We have a responsibility, but at the same time, this verse, one accord, we're always like trying to redo Pentecost as if the Holy Spirit's not already here. First of all, we don't tarry. We don't wait for the Lord. We wait on him like expectantly. We wait on him and yield to him, but he's pouring out a spirit. Like, we don't have to, like, but what does it look like for you to make space for that though? And what does it look like for the church to not strive for unity? But this word in the Greek is more about how their hearts were so focused on one thing, their hearts were so yielded on one thing, that because their hearts were focused on one thing, their hearts became tuned together in in harmony with one another. That's not striving for unity. That's allowing God to tune the strings of our hearts. His love does it. His spirit does it. And they're waiting and and they believe the promise. And then it says suddenly, come on, a sound from heaven. Say a sound from heaven. So we want to live in unity, but we have to make sure that we're letting God do the unity part. We're not trying to strive. Unity in your marriage. Unity in your relationships. Point your heart at the Lord. Guess what will happen? Point your heart at heaven and God will unify your hearts. Allow the Lord to baptize you with this presence and his love. Every relationship you have, come on, every, in your marriage, your family, whether you're married or not, relationships you have, brothers and sisters, God will tune the strings of your heart if you yield your life to him. But you've got to believe that there can be that wind that we see here in the next verse, that unseen wind, that mighty rushing wind. God wants you to make space in your life to encounter him. And there might be some people here, it's like, well, you know, you guys were worshiping and it was a little crazy in here and I don't know about all that, but, you know, I still come to church here. And I don't know if I get everything, but listen, God is calling and wooing you to make sacred space where, and it might look different. You might be driving, come on, I'm prophesying to somebody. You might be driving in your car and you just put a little Christian song on and then something happens to the point where you got to pull over because you're crying because the love of God overcomes your heart. Or maybe it looks different to you. Maybe you have a a time of prayer in the morning or, or you just open up the book of John. If you don't know where to read in the Bible, just open up the book of John and start reading. Fall in love with Jesus like John did read about the master through the eyes of John the beloved but it says suddenly a sound from heaven I believe that there's a sound of heaven that the disciples allowed God to take the platform before they said or did anything and may we hear what the spirit is saying I don't want to be somebody that is so caught up in my own ability to preach pray prophesy etc that I become a solo artist, spiritually. But I wanna learn to make the sound that God wants me to make so that I can be a part of the symphony of the body of Christ. Where He tunes our hearts. We're in one accord, in one place. There's a harmony. Why is there a harmony? Because we're all focused on Him. And nothing else matters. The only agenda is Him. Well, What's your agenda? Jesus. Well, are you one of those charismatic churches where charismania? No, we're a Jesus church. And we make space for the Lord. Well, you're all about the gifts of the Spirit. And we love the gifts of the Spirit because they're in the Bible. But we don't need to be weird to demonstrate them either. Come on, somebody. But we're not going to throw the baby out with the bathwater because the wind crashes in. There's a mighty rushing wind that God wants. There's a storm of heaven. There is a moving of the spirit that he has available for all of us. And the church needs it now more than ever. You know, there's a temptation for any church or leader to, especially a senior pastor, to to make the culture of the church, you know, like we want to be open and aware that people come in and maybe they're not used to exuberant worship. You know, like I was raised Catholic and first time I came to a charismatic church, people raising their hands, I thought they were crazy, but it felt good in there. That's all I know. Then I heard somebody speak in tongues. I'm like, that's weird, but I want to speak in tongues too. That's cool. Was that, is there anyone else here that's like that? Like, it's almost like the mystery drew you in. You just knew, especially when it's authentic, When it's not authentic, it's repulsive. When it's authentic, it pulls you in. There's a beauty to it. But at the same time, like, we don't need to become, we don't need to dumb down the moving of the spirit. No, when people encounter, it's like kids' church. When kids encounter the Lord, they will never walk away from God well, we just want to teach them a few Bible stories. Yeah, we want to teach them Bible stories and make space that they encounter the Lord. Come on. I remember praying over my kids. David was five years old when he got baptized in the Holy Spirit. He's laughing, speaking in tongues, fell out under the power of God. And to this day, that kid is yielded to the spirit of God. First service, he was in here worshiping. I walked over and gently put my hand on his heart. I said, I just pray right now. I just began to pray for God's Tender love and affection to do something in his heart. He starts weeping. He ends up on his face. I took a picture. Proud dad moment, right? I mean, my firstborn son, my kids love Jesus. You know why? Not because we force the Bible down their throat. We do that too. Praise God. But we, I mean, honestly, I'm the type of parent, like if they're going in the wrong direction, bam, bam, bam. What are you thinking here? You know, like we're disciplined. Very, you know, we, we don't, here's the thing. My kids are a little crazy, but I don't ever tolerate rebellion. No, you're going to church because that's what we do. We're going to church. And they, they, you know why? We, we, we prioritize them encountering the Lord. And to this day, their hearts are open to the Lord. And I'm so proud of my kids. But we need to make space. We need to be like the disciples. And that anticipation they had, God would crash in. And then there was a manifestation and they are speaking in tongues. And then the crowd comes and they're like, what is this sound? And by the way, the sound wasn't just them doing their thing the sound was the mighty rushing wind the the thundering the the voice of like the trumpet you know it's all indicative of the mountaintop experience from Moses to the mount of transfiguration the baptism of Jesus all of the above it's when God speaks it's when God comes it's when God crashes into this world and you just know it it's undeniable it's like God is here and I don't really know what to do and guess what that's a wonderful place to be where he takes the platform before we do And that's what I'm trying to say to us today is that may we be people that before we rush in, we wait for the sound of the wind. Just like David coming into his kingdom, I always feel like in a sense, I'm kind of like David where I'm anointed, you know, and then all hell breaks loose and I'm in a cave and you know, like I'm running from Saul and all the, all the metaphors you see, through the, you see through the life of David where there's like, a, I think, a 15-year span from anointing to inauguration. I'm never just waiting. You're waiting for the 15 years to be up, right? Like you need some breakthrough. And David finally is anointed king, but there is another battle to face. But he learned throughout his history with God to make sacred space to... To inquire of the Lord. Over and over and over, you see it throughout his life. And it says the Philistines heard that he was anointed. When the enemy hears that not only you're anointed, but you start manifesting what God has promised. Listen, this is, this is my prayer. And I, I love the prophetic, we should prophesy. But I want, I'm, start, I'm praying this in this season. I want to become a manifestation of what was prophesied. That's a good prophetic word. I want to be in work. I want to be... I want to manifest the prophecies of the third great awakening. Come on. And I want the sound of heaven to crash in in a way where the Lord himself takes the platform. And we don't know what to do. And that's a beautiful place to be. As long as we're yielded to the Lord. That's where deep healing and transformation comes because we encounter him. But David... It says he heard about the, these wonderful people called the Philistines. Um, God bless them, right? I, I was telling the church for service that, you know, when Jesus said, love your enemies, the word love is not phileo. Like you don't have to be friends with your enemies. It's agape. In other words, you can love them from a distance. That's a good word right there. Come on, somebody. Like we can be forgiving and loving, but there's some people you don't need in your life and that's okay. And this is where healthy boundaries are. As long as the boundary is not some excuse to, you know, push somebody out of your life that the Lord wants in your life. Because sometimes people that rub us the wrong way, God uses to refine us the right way. But there are some people you just, they're better for you to be at a distance. I know I'm not preaching to myself, but I could just go off right now and do a praise break. Because I think about the times in my life I tolerated people in my life that didn't see me know me or value who I was and I'm trying to invest and there's no return and God's like why are you casting the pearl before the swine that wasn't a part of my message but whatever so the Philistines the enemies of God's people says David inquired of the Lord and the Lord says just wait circle around behind him Come up over by these trees, and when you hear the sound of the wind, the sound of marching on the tops of the trees, then go, and I'm going to give you the victory. It's the sound. We follow the sound and the wind of the Spirit. Listen, in your life, in your job, everything that you do, you can follow the leading of the Spirit. If you yield and you wait and say, Lord, I want to hear your voice, teach me. Listen, every person in here can hear the voice of the Lord. You've already heard the voice of the Lord. Well, I never heard the voice of the Lord. Yes, you did. Remember that time you were praying and you're like, God, I don't know what to do. And he, gave, he just gave you peace and you just knew everything was going to be okay. That was him speaking peace to you. Sometimes the way the Lord moves is by, by his hand touch. Like the Lord just speaks to us through our experience. And I want to encourage us as a people that we would be the people this day, which is a new day, that we would hear the new sound that God is releasing. And the sound is the sound of him crashing into this world. And then what follows that is us coming, coming in harmony with that sound. I feel like every church strives, strives for strives. That's a new word. Praise God. We want revival, right? But the question is, what is Revival. As we close, uh, worship team can come up. I want to share with you just briefly what I believe revival isn't and what I believe revival is. I'd like to think, because my wife and I are passionate about vacations, that's what pastoring will do to you, by the way. Make you passionate for vacations. Amen. (laughs) because we go to the mountain of the Lord and we pray. When I'm on vacation, I pray for you guys the whole time, 24 seven. No, actually I don't. I sit on the beach and I relax and I love every minute of it. And sometimes we get home from vacation and we're working and I'm like, what are you doing, baby? She's on the computer. I was just checking some flights out. I'm like, flights for what? We just got off vacation. You planning another vacation? Come on. Sometimes it's annoying. She's like, well, but Sarah is going to New York City with her friend because Lenny is in this orchestra and her best friend's coming from Las Vegas. And I'm trying not to mock you, but that's kind of what I hear sometimes. And I'm just waiting for the bottom line. How much is it, Rochelle? Okay. Cheap flight? Go. Whatever. But uh, I've learned that revival is not like this vacation. This all-inclusive Cancun where everything's perfect. Perfect. And I like to think that it's sunny all the time. I like to think that, you know, everyone's your servant, and they come to you, how can I help you? And you say thank you, and they're like, it's a pleasure. That's how it is at this resort we go to in Cancun. It's amazing. They're pleased to serve me. I love it. If that was revival, all day long, baby. Come on. But that's not revival. Revival's not perfect. Revival is just not the mountaintop. Revival is also the valley. Revival is just making space for God. Revival is not just like this extended meeting for 15 hours where it's all revival can be messy but and that is a move of god but i want to walk in a place as a church where we sustain revival where we're just floating in the river of his love and his presence we're like a tree planted by the waters like the scripture says where we're always bearing fruit and guess what we can enter in the rest of the lord while we produce fruit we don't have to strive for it if we yield to him And we don't run ahead of him. And we allow him to break into this world and release the sound, that mighty rushing wind, that fire of his presence. And then we follow that, we follow the wind. I wanna be sons and I don't know about you, but I wanna be a son that follows the wind of the spirit. We have the saying, like I learned from uh, like a prophetic papa in my life. He's a prophet in Las Vegas and um, He would always say, "Oh, there's wind on that, son." And uh, I always told this guy, "I said you have the Yosemite Sam anointing when you prophesy." I don't know. You just remind me, and and this guy would say, "There's wind on that." And so I started saying that, like I get what you're saying. You're saying like there there are words, there are songs, there are prophecies, and some of them are just words, music, and words, but some of them have wind on it. You, You understand what I'm saying? There's spiritual substance. And I want, I want that in everything that we do. I want the wind of heaven to come and blow across this place, every heart and every life. And we're invited to come in to the place, just like the disciples, in one place, in one accord, all oriented at heaven, saying, Lord, come take the platform. And that's my prayer. And that's what I believe the word of the Lord is to you. Hi, Pastor Zach here at Encounter Church in Rochester, New York. Hope you were blessed by that message. And we want to give you an opportunity to sow into the ministry if you'd like to. If you would, just go to revival.me and click on the button that says give. Thanks again and have a blessed, blessed day.